Today we are nearing the end of Psalms 23, the most famous chapter in the Bible. And this chapter isn't about David so much as it is about God. And in these six verses of this psalm, we get an understanding of who God is and how he is committed to us as we walk through times of uncertainty. And so I thought it would be good for us to read this psalm again. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. He leads me on paths that are right for the good of his name. Even if I walk through a very dark valley like COVID, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your shepherd's staff comfort me. You prepare a meal for me in front of my enemies. You pour oil of blessing on my, uh, on my head. You fill my cup to overflowing. Surely your goodness and love will be with me all my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. In this psalm, there are 12 metaphors of who God is and how he is committed to us as we walk through times of uncertainty. Now, I want you to, know that, or I want you to notice that this psalm starts with the Lord and it ends with the Lord. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then in verse six, it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now he's talking about the future there. And he's helping us to understand that he is the God of our future. If you have a tendency to worry, to be anxious about your tomorrows, folks, you need to remember this last verse. Because in this last verse are three Honestly, three antidotes to fearing your future. Three things that should give you confidence to live in the present because you know that your God is the God of the future. The first one is simply this, that God's goodness is watching over me. It says, surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Do you know that God in his goodness is always paying attention to you? There has never been a time in your life that God has, not ta has taken his eye off of you. He watches you constantly. Why? Because he created you to love you. And you and I may have a hard time with that because we think, well, how in the world can God pay attention to me 100% of the time when, when there are 7.3 billion other people that he needs to look after as well? And that's because, folks, we just don't understand how big God is. He is big enough to pay attention to you 100% of the time, 365 days out of the year, as well as everybody else, because he is God. And so there has never been a moment in your life that God has not paid attention to you. And so he knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts from afar. He, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your highs, and folks, he knows your lows. Be why? Because he is a good God. And the goodness of God will follow you all the days of your life. Take a look at Psalms 145, verse 20. The Lord watches over all who love him. Now, God not only watches over 
all who love him, but folks, he also protects them. You may not realize this, but you have been protected from thousands of different things in your lifetime. Accidents that you could have been involved in. Uh, Problems from decisions that you made that were way off the mark. All because God says, nope, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Now we sit here and we think, well, how in the world does he do that? Well, he does it a lot of different ways, but one of the ways that might surprise you is that he does it through his angels. The Bible says that he created angels to protect us. Pastor George, you gotta be kidding me. No, I'm not. There's a lot of things I'd like to talk with us about in regards to angels, but let me just say this. There are many things that people think about angels that are just not true. Like, when you die, you become an angel. Folks, that's just not true, okay? You become who you are. but You're gonna be the same person just with a glorified body. Angels don't have human bodies. They are spiritual beings. I have walked with the Lord for 47 years now and have never had a personal encounter with an angel. Never. Except my wife, okay? She is an angel to me. But angels don't have physical bodies. God created them, however, as spiritual beings to protect us. Take a look at Psalms 91, verse 11. God orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They are your invisible helpers. They create circumstances in your life that when they happen, you go, wow, how in the world did that happen? Folks, there are things that you don't know. You, there are things that happen that you have no earthly idea how God was helping you through his angels to protect you. That comes out of the goodness of God. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me explain it to you by first helping us understand what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is good. We all know that, don't we? What it means, however, is that God will ensure that good will come out of whatever happens to you. He will bring good out of bad. You can't control what happens to you, like a pandemic, like maybe being laid off, or like getting sick during this time. But you can be sure, if the Lord is your shepherd, that he will bring good out of the bad. Anybody can bring good out of the good. But only God can bring good out of the bad. God specializes in doing that, and he's given us promises along those lines. Romans 8, 28 is a famous promise. It says, we know, we don't guess, we know what? That all that happens to us is working for what? Our good. If we love God and are fitting in to his plan. God specializes bringing good out of bad if you're going in his direction. If you're not going in his direction, if you're thumbing your nose at God, guess what? You are on your own. But if you are going in God's direction, God will work it all out for good. 
Now, obviously, when you are in the midst of bad, shall I say, of bad times due to a pandemic, you may, you may be unable to see the good that God is bringing out of it. But later, because hindsight is better than foresight, you do begin to see how God was working it for good. Why? Because the Bible says, surely goodness will what? Follow me. Hindsight is always better than foresight and understanding the goodness of God. The second reason that you and I don't have to be fearful as we walk through the valley of COVID-19, okay, where we can live with confidence is because God's grace is working in me. And God's goodness is not only watching over me, but God's grace is working in me. The Bible says, surely, not just goodness, but mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What is mercy? Will you write this down? Mercy is grace in action. That's what it is. When I say God's grace is working in me, I am talking about his mercy, his grace in action. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 60, verse 10. I will have mercy on you through my grace. So what is the difference between God's goodness and God's mercy? Well, God's goodness is this. Will you write it down? When God gives me what I don't deserve. That's his goodness. That's his grace. Folks, I don't deserve the air that I breathe. I don't deserve the life that I have in Collin County. I don't deserve the spiritual family that I have. I don't deserve the place that I live in. But God has given it to me out of his grace. Grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve. Well, then what is mercy? Well, it's the exact opposite. Mercy is this. Will you write this down? It's when God doesn't give me what I do deserve for all the ways that I've been wrong, for all the ways that I've sinned, for all the ways that I've hurt other people, for all my flops, failures, and fumbles. He doesn't, he doesn't give me what I deserve, punishment. If God gave me what I deserved, folks, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. If God gave me what I deserved, I wouldn't be able to even take my next breath. And so mercy is God not giving me what I deserve, whereas God's goodness is God giving me what I don't deserve, grace. And it says in the Psalms that both of those will follow me. His provision will follow me. His pardon will follow me. His provision for all kinds of good things will follow me. His pardon for all kinds of bad things that I've done will follow me. I can expect both of those in my future. Now, why do you and I need mercy? Folks, I think it's pretty obvious, and I don't want to shock you with this, but you are a sinner, okay? And so am I. We all are imperfect. We are broken in so many ways, and we live in a broken world. 
And so you and I need forgiveness all of the time. Aren't you glad that God follows you with his goodness and his mercy and he doesn't follow you with his justice? He is a good God. I want to share Psalms 103. There's a lot of number of ways that God shows his mercy in this psalm. Let, let me read this, okay? Psalms 103, 2 through 13. I will not forget the glorious things that God does for me. Mercy, grace, and action. He forgives all my sins. There's one. He heals me. There's another. He ransoms me from hell. Oh, that's a good one. He surrounds me with loving kindness. Yes. He fills my life with good things, obviously. He is merciful and tender towards those who don't deserve it. He is slow to get angry. Angry. Oh, that is really great. He never bears a grudge. He, ha he has not punished us as we deserve for all of our sins, for his mercy is as great as the height of the heavens. He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic to those who reverence him. Now, because of God's mercy, which is following us every day of our life, folks, when you make a mistake, when you screw it up, when you have a flop or a failure or a fumble in your life, guess what? It means that you can come to him and talk to him. A lot of times we feel unable to do that when we have messed up. But God is saying, I'm a merciful God and I will follow you with mercy every day of your life. In other words, I am a, I, my shop is open 24-7 because of my mercy. It is constantly there for you. And guess what that does? It takes away your fear. Hebrews 4.16 says, we can come before God's throne. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about coming to God with our problems, our mistakes, where we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. You see, sometimes in our lives, in fact, I would say maybe a lot of times in our lives, we struggle with habitual sins. And because we do, we have this thought that God is getting tired of us coming to him with the same old sin all the time. We kind of think he will say to us, will you just get over that same old sin? Can't you bring an original one to me? I'm getting tired of forgiving that, that same one over and over again. But folks, that's not true. God doesn't get bored with forgiving you. He doesn't get frustrated with forgiving you over the same habitual sin again and again and again. The psalmist says, mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And so don't be embarrassed to come to God and talk to God about your flops and your failures and your fumbles. Hebrews, the writer says, we can come before God's throne where we can receive mercy and grace. That's God's goodness to help us when we need it. Now, when I think of these two things, God's goodness and God's mercy, I have two pictures that come into my mind. The first one is of a shepherd 
and two sheepdogs. The Lord is my shepherd, and he is out front leading the sheep. He isn't in the rear like a cowboy on a horse driving the cattle, uh, like driving the cattle or driving the sheep. No, he's out front leading. And what is following behind the sheep are two sheepdogs keeping the sheep in line. Those two sheepdogs are God's goodness and God's mercy. And that is true for you. Jesus is out front. He's not behind you, driving you and driving you. Get better, get better, get better. No, he's out front, leading you. And his goodness and his mercy are following you like two sheepdogs nipping at your heels. The other picture I have is of a mother and a toddler. The mother in the home is out front of the toddler, child-proofing the house, but later comes behind that toddler, cleaning up the messes that toddler has left behind. I love that picture because, folks, you and I have no earthly idea of the messes that we have made through the dumb decisions that we have made that has brought all kinds of chaos behind us, that the, that the goodness of God and the mercy of God have followed up and cleaned up. Mercy will follow you all the days of your life, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. His goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And when you finally understand that, when you finally understand that, that God will never not be good to you and that God will never not be merciful to you, when you face your future, when you understand that your fear of the future will go down and your confidence for living will go up. Folks, we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. But what we do know is that his goodness will bring good out of bad and his mercy will forgive us without condemnation. So what in the world do you and I have to fear? Nothing if the Lord is your shepherd. You see, fear comes from punishment. And fear comes when you begin to view the future and you see things that are lacking. But when you understand that God's goodness will follow you all the days of your life and God's mercy will follow you all the days of your life, folks, you don't have anything to fear. So don't sweat it. The third reason that you don't need to fear the future is that God's glory is waiting for me. God's goodness is watching over me. God's grace is working in me. But God's, God's glory is waiting for me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That little word, and connects today 
with tomorrow. Even after you have lived a blessed life on this side of eternity, folks, it's not done. It's not the end. This psalm is building to a crescendo. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the big ending. And that means that you and I don't have to fear death even in a pandemic. Fear of death is the number one fear that people have. But death is not the end if the Lord is your shepherd. In essence, your future gets better and better and better and better as you approach eternity future where there is no sin, no sorrow, no suffering, no sadness, no sickness, no problems, no pain, and folks, no pandemic. The best, honestly, is yet to come. Now, just like there are a lot of myths about angels, there's a lot of myths about heaven. And next week, as we come to conclude Psalms 23 with having communion, I'll talk more about heaven. But today, I just want to ask one question, and it's this. What makes heaven, heaven? Well, there's a lot of things that make heaven, heaven. But the biggest one is this. It is the home of God's full glory. And God's glory is all the good things that he does for you. Right now, we only see little glimpses of it. We have little peepers of it. And you might ask, well, how do we, how do we see that? Through creation. In fact, take a look at Psalms 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. When you look up at the stars, the big sky of Texas, and you see those twinkling stars, okay, you go, wow. When you see a National Geographic nature show, you go, wow. Those are just little glimpses of his glory. But one day, when you get into God's house, God's home, you're going to see the full glory of God. The full beauty of God. The full goodness of God. Because you're going to be in his house. Take a look at Isaiah 63, 15. Lord, look down from heaven. Look from your holy, glorious home and see us. God's complete glory is in heaven, unhindered by anything. The Bible tells us in Acts 7, verse 55, when Stephen was being stoned, that he gazed up into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us that when Jesus resurrected from the grave, that he returned in John 12, 16. It says that he returned to his glory in heaven. And one day, you too will see God's glory. Right now, we just see it with little peepers. We have pea-sized brains. We only see things in 3D. 
like Rob shared last week, which was a phenomenal message. God is multidimensional, and there is going to be a multidimensional world that is just going to blow our socks off of us. The way that you and I describe heaven today is so inferior, like streets of gold, like, like uh, uh, gates of or like pearly gates, it's so inferior. Folks, you just multiply that Godzillion times, and that's what it's going to be like. That is why Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, 9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. In this day and age that we are going through, folks, like I shared several weeks ago, I am very hopeful, but do you not long for heaven? I can understand why David said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what do you have to be afraid of? What are you so worried about? You are going to be in a better place a place that he made for you. In fact, the Bible says that before he created the universe, he thought of you and he made you. And that his plan for you was to be in his family and for you to share his glory. Take a look at Romans 9, 23. God wanted to reveal his abundant glory, which was poured out on us who are the objects of his mercy and whom he has prepared in advance to receive his glory. You are an object of God's mercy. I don't care how many flops, failures, and fumbles you have. He doesn't give you what you deserve, and he has prepared you for glory. And one day you will see the full glory, the full goodness of God. And he's prepared you for that in advance. And folks, that's going to happen when you walk in one day into God's house. Now, I know this description of that experience falls short, but this, this is the best I could come up with. When you walk into God's house, you're going to see the biggest Godtron, the biggest TV that you have ever seen in your life, is going to be bigger than what is in Jerry Jones's house for the Cowboys. And when you walk in and you see that Godtron, you're going to see as the movie begins to play, now playing for all eternity, Jesus Christ co-starring you. And that is what God has prepared for you because of his goodness and his mercy. Now, what are the implications of these three truths? Like I have said in times past, what you get on Sunday, you can use it on Monday. So what does it mean that God's goodness is watching over me? that God's grace is working in me, that God's glory is waiting out there for me. What does that mean for me tomorrow? 
Well, let me give you three antidotes to the three greatest fears that you have that will help you with your tomorrows. If you grasp these things and you put them into practice, I guarantee you this, that your fear will go down and your confidence of living will go up. The first one is this. Stay grateful and generous because God is good to me. My first response to God's goodness and God's mercy is I need to be I need to be grateful and I need to be generous. Take a look at Psalms 118, verse 29. Give thanks continually to the Lord because he is so good and because his mercy will never run out. Will you write this down? Continual mercy deserves continual thanks. And so what you and I need to do is we need to develop an attitude of gratitude, a habitual practice of being grateful for God's goodness and his mercy. Studies have shown that the healthiest emotion that you can have is that of gratefulness. It will help you to live longer. It will help you to live happier. It will help you to be healthier. It will help you to be more successful. But most importantly, Gratitude is an attitude, is an antidote to fear. Do you have fear as you look to the future with everything that's going on in our world? Folks, you can't be grateful and fearful at the same time. They are direct opposites of one another. It's impossible to be grateful and fearful at the same time. Why? Because fear is a focus on oneself. Gratefulness is a focus of being of, of something outside yourself, like God and others. And when you focus in on yourself, guess what? Your fear rises. But when you focus on things outside yourself, of what you are grateful for in regards to God and other things, folks, your fear goes down. Take a look and see this principle out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. We have been given possession of an unshakable kingdom. There's a lot going on in our country right now, is there not? I would remind us that Babylon fell, that the Roman Greek, uh, Greek Empire fell. Folks, no country lasts forever. But God says this, we have a kingdom that is unshakable. So what's our response? Let us therefore be grateful and use our gratitude to worship God in the way that pleases him with reverence and awe. Folks, worship is the antidote to worry. When you come to God and you give thanks to God and are grateful for what you have, folks, it reduces your fear. And so you and I need to develop a daily habit of being grateful. The second thing in regards to God's goodness is that we need to be generous. God says, I want you to pass on to others the things that I've given to you. Just as I've been good to you, I want you to be good to other people. Take a look at Matthew 10, 8. Jesus says, you have been treated generously so live generously. Give as freely as you have received. Studies have shown that misers are miserable. 
But people who live generous lives are more at peace, are more confident, are less anxious, and less fearful. So get your focus off of yourself and get it on the outside of yourself by being grateful and by being generous with others. Take a look at Psalms uh, 112, verses 5 through 9. God will come to him who is generous. Such people lend freely and conduct their affairs honestly. They will never be shaken. There's that word again. They don't fear bad news because they trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless in facing their opposition because they give generously to those in need. They will have influence and honor. And so here's my challenge for you. In the next 26 days, I want you to fill out a gratitude reminder chart. I have one here in my hand, and it's from A through Z. 26 days in a row. If you will do this, you will begin to develop a new, attitude, a new attitude of gratitude that will lessen your fear. And I've given you spiritual things, and I've filled those out for you, okay? But then there are physical things that you can fill in, and then there are relational things. I would encourage you to take the challenge of doing it A through Z. If you will do that, I guarantee you you will see your fear go down. Now here's the next thing that you can use on Monday. Be gracious to everyone because God is gracious to you. Grace and fear cannot reside in, at the same time in the same brain. It doesn't work that way. Take a look at Ephesians 4 too. Be gracious and merciful to everyone. And forgive others just as God has forgiven you because of Christ. Now, I know you're probably sitting there and, and saying, George, how does this work in reducing my fear? Follow me with this. The more grace you show to others, the more loving you are. And the Bible tells us that love is what? It is the antidote to fear. Take a look at 1 John 4:18 There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not matured in love. If you are fearful, it only means that you need to grow in your understanding of love, being lo your God's love for you and your love for other people. Every time you invite fear into your life, love goes out the back door. Why? Because you are focusing on yourself and you're not focusing on others. Love focuses on others. It shows grace to other people. It forgives other people. And when you get that, in your psychic, and you begin to practice that in your relationships, I guarantee you this, your fear is gonna go down. Your fear is gonna go down in your relationships, and your fear is gonna go down in regards to your future. The third one, if you wanna live a fearless life and live more confidently, is live your life for God's glory because he's going to share his glory with you.
If you live your life for God's glory, you will receive the glory of God forever and ever and ever and ever. How do you do that? How do you do that at the workplace? How do you do that in your neighborhood? How do you do that in your home? How do you do that with your extended family? Take a look at Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He is saying there, let your character be a light in a dark world that you live in. How do you do that? By living your best for God. And when you live your best for God, you will experience more abundance of God's goodness, more, more of God's mercy, more of God's grace, more of God's glory, but you will also experience more of God's power. 1 Peter 1, 3, God in his divine power has given us everything we need for living a godly life. This power is given to us through knowing Jesus, and he has called us to share in his own goodness and glory. Folks, living for the glory of God opens us up to the power of God to live in the world that we live in right now with everything that is going on, with everything that we see in the news, with everything that we hear and see on the web. Folks, when we open up and begin to live our lives for the glory of God, we are opening up to the power of God to live in the present and to look at the future optimistically. So let's wrap this up. When you think of the future, with all that is going on, how do you see it? Is your mind filled with fear, with doubt, with confusion, with anxiety, with worry? If so, guess what? You need to focus in on Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In that verse is the antidote to the three greatest fears about your future. And so what I'm saying here as we conclude is that you have a choice. You can choose to be ungrateful and focus in what you don't have. And you see your fear rise or you can focus in on being grateful for what you do have and see your fear go down. You can focus on being ungenerous and being a hoarder or you and see your fear rise or you can focus on being generous and seeing your fear be reduced. You can focus on being ungracious and not forgiving those in your world and see punishment because it, it comes a fear, hey, this could happen to me, rise. Or you can focus in on being gracious and forgiving and see it go down. You can focus in on living an unglorified life by not living in a godly way and see your fear rise 
Or you can choose to live your life for the glory of God and see, you, and see power come into your life to live in the present and to see the future optimistically. The difference between those two options, basically, are the result of who is your shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything. And so, who is your shepherd? Is it you or is it Jesus? Before I pray, I want to challenge you right now. Everything that's going on in our world, and folks, the tensions are rising. They're not going down. They're, they're really going up amongst people. People are doing crazy things. Where are you at with Jesus? I, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you haven't made Jesus your shepherd, will you do that? And if you do that, I want you to text uh, the word new start to 94,000 so that we can just send you some literature that'll help you understand how you can just walk with Jesus, your shepherd, and view the future optimistically because of his goodness, because of his mercy. Let's pray.